How many parents know the child does not act like you thought they were going to act? Right? Not, not even close. In fact, the definition of a small child, you may have heard, it's uh, someone who can wash their hands without getting the soap wet. That's the definition of a small child. My kids are great with it. Did you wash your hands? Yeah. No. Uh, definition of a small child, someone who can't understand why anyone would give away a perfectly good kitten. Why would they do that? Uh, but those little children, they grow up to be adults. And the way they grow up is so dependent on the way they were raised. Who poured into them? Who didn't? Who put their life together? Who dismantled it? It has such a big effect on anything. And um, there's a, a story about a Spanish father. And um, there's a Spanish father and a son, and they became estranged. They had a, a fallout. And um, the son ran away, and the father went out to find him, and he searched for months to no avail. And finally, in the last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. And the ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up <laughs> looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. If that were this city, if someone was to post a Craigslist ad or something like that, you'd have 800 Bills or Bobs or Joes or Sally's or Jill's or Karen's showing up saying, Really, Dad? Are things restored? It's been said we live in a fatherless society. There is fallout everywhere. There is more fallout from being part of a fatherless society now in our generation than this world has probably ever seen. And that is another reason why the church is the answer. It's the heart of God, and we serve the father of the fatherless. Many of you know, if you've been around here a while, our church has a big heart for kids. Uh, we're trying to pursue an excellent children's ministry. We sponsor uh, quite a few children in Mexico and in Africa because we care a lot about kids. We want to give life. We want to be a life-giving church and a life-giving people. And so we're going to look at a passage today. It's in uh, Mark chapter 10. And uh, we're going to be talking about children according to Jesus. And while you're turning there, I just want to tell you that um, there are over 40 scriptures in the Bible that talk about the fatherless. We use the term orphan, but the Bible uses the term fatherless. There's over 40. James 1.27 says, true religion. If we have any real faith, James is saying, any kind of resemblance of faith, true religion. By the way, ladies, true religion is not a jeans company. Some of you are going, I own true religion. No, true religion, James says, is uh, looking after the widows and the orphans. The fatherless, that's true religion, according to, to James. And um, Psalm 68, I love this, it describes God's heart. This is what it says in Psalm 68, that he is a father to the fatherless. And listen to this, God sets the lonely in families. I had to go back and see what translation is that. Does it say it exactly like that? Yes, exactly like that. God takes the lonely and he puts them in families. I love that. That's the heart of our God is to put the lonely in families. By the way, there's many ways that we can partner in things like this, not only fostering and adopting and uh, giving information for people who are looking for this. Um, you have kids right in your neighborhood. You have kids right in your apartment or on your block that are either fatherless or motherless. And those kids, they need the living God. They need someone to come alongside and encourage and help and point Society seems to dismantle the family quite well, and some of these kids end up being collateral damage. So there are many ways that we can impart life to the fatherless and the motherless. A couple of quick great adoption stories in the Bible. Moses was adopted. 
Moses was adopted, and he went on to deliver millions from bondage. There's a successful adoption story, if I ever heard one. Uh, Esther. Esther was adopted by her cousin after her parents died. She became a queen and delivered a nation. How cool is that adoption story? Uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ, was born by the power of the Holy Spirit, but he was really adopted also by Joseph, who had to say, he's not mine, he's yours. They're all yours, God. And if Jesus is yours, I'm going to love him, I'm going to pour into him, and I'm going to raise him up for your glory. And he raised him as his own child. In fact, that's what adoption means in the Greek. Uh, We think of a legal process when we think of adoption. But in the Greek, it's really to bring someone in and raise them as your own. That's really what it is. And God's got an enormous heart for that. Let's look at, um, Jesus shows us really well. Jesus says, guys, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Isn't that interesting? That's a pretty bold statement. No other world leader said that. Not Buddha, Gandhi, Muhammad. Nobody has made a statement like this. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So we're going to look at a snapshot of children according to Jesus today. And he has some perspective about children that if you want to know what the Father thinks, watch what Jesus tells us. It's pretty profound, pretty insightful. If you're a note taker this morning, there's a couple of important um, notes to put down, but uh, we're in Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at 13 through 16. We're going to take it in sections because there's a lot going on right here. And it starts out like this. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Let's stop right there for a minute. Picture the scene. Parents are going, great. We heard Jesus is coming to town. How cool is this? Let's get our kids together and let's get our kids over to Jesus so our kids can be with Jesus for a little bit. Parents are excited about this. They're like, I can't wait. We've been waiting for this opportunity. So the parents get their kids together and as they're going over to see Jesus, the apostles are like, stop. Get those kids out of here. We got stuff to do. This is a distraction. We don't have time for this. The apostles, who in theory were mature in the faith, right, completely misunderstood the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father when it came to kids. You realize that? Religious leaders. There can be a lot of religious leaders, people who are quote-unquote leaders and giants in the faith that can also, if we're not careful, miss the heart of the Father when it comes to Jesus. Um, It says the disciples rebuke them. That means they scolded them. It means they reprimanded them. It means they turned them away. Get your kid out of here. Don't bother Jesus. We have stuff to do. We got important miracles to do. We got preaching to do. Get those kids out of here. They're not important right now. We got much more important stuff. And Jesus saw this and it says he was indignant. That means he was offended and angry. Jesus wasn't like, yeah, well, we just have a different opinion on that. (laughs) No, He's like, you guys are way out of line. Stop right now. All of you, stop. And he flips this whole thing around. And we get to see the heart of the Father right here. Um, The apostles apparently didn't view children the same way that Jesus did. Uh, The apostles saw them as a distraction, as a hindrance, and less important. But Jesus stops them right in their tracks. Step number one, if you're a note taker this morning, is this. Regarding children according to Jesus, Jesus wants us to see children as he sees children. He wants us to see children as he sees children. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes we see children the way the apostles see children. If we were brutally honest, 
Sometimes we think, oh, we don't have time for that. Just stick on a video for the kids. We got important stuff to do here, right? Give them a little Xbox game, whatever the game. Just give them something because we got important stuff to do here. We don't have time for this. And we're all good at this. And the, the people on TV know how to market that to the busy parent. Just give them stuff. But the fact of the matter is, that's not the heart of Jesus. And we could be just like those apostles saying, it's not important right now. Jesus wants us to see children as he sees children. Uh, how many people were raised with hearing the statement, children should be seen and not heard? Yeah, a little too much, right? That is so contrary to the heart of God. God would never say children should be seen and not heard. In fact, Scripture is the opposite. Jesus is like, stop in your tracks. Don't even say that. And he would rebuke that. That's what he did. He rebuked them. And he has the exact opposite in mind. Let's move on in verse 14. It says, he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He's basically saying, don't stop any of them. Let them all come, all of them. Let all the children come to me. Here's the heart of Jesus who's representing his father. I love this. He says, don't hinder them. If Jesus is telling us not to hinder them and the apostles were hindering them, I think the reality check for the people of God is to say, hmm, what are the things in our society, in our world, in our neighborhood, just where we live, in our culture, that hinder, hinder children from coming to Jesus? Valid question. Think about what that is. What are the things that hinder them? What are the roadblocks? What are the barriers for children to come to Jesus? Because Jesus says, don't hinder them. Let them all come and get that stuff out of the way if it's hindering them. And I think it's important because, again, society, even the churches, in faith, we can get busy with stuff and we can miss that. It's been said that the church is always one generation away from extinction. Isn't that interesting? Just one. And the way society is dismantling the family and children today and the reprogramming, that's not my opinion. Statistics speak volumes. Look at some of the stats of the fallout and kids and just what kids are going through today. The stats are alarming. We don't see any change in the near future based on the current trend. So the church is the answer. The people of God are the answer. We serve the Father to the fatherless and Jesus is there. Let them come to me and hinder them not. Uh, that's really important. He says the, the kingdom belongs to such as these. What does that mean? That the kingdom of God God's kingdom, God's rule, God's reign, here, now, and forever, it belongs to these kids. What does it mean that the kids, how do they own this? How does it belong to kids? This is important, and some of you, this is the most important thing this morning to get down. It belongs to them, not because of ownership. It belongs to them because they have the right to possess it. They have the right to the kingdom of God. They have the right before anyone else does. And the reason they do is because they, they have the heart to possess it. Children have the heart to possess the kingdom of God. Many adults don't. Many children do, very naturally. And that's step number two this morning. Children have the right to the kingdom because they have the heart for the kingdom. They have the heart of the kingdom. They come like a child saying, you are daddy and I'm not. Everything comes from you. Provision comes from you. Food comes from you. Manna comes from you. Everything comes from you. Give us our daily bread. I trust you. I know you're going to protect me. And this is what pe children, their natural disposition is to trust in the provision of their heavenly father. It's very natural. And Jesus knows that. And he's like, get rid of anything blocking them because this is the way it's supposed to be. 
Our society has put up many roadblocks. Society telling kids that their ancestor is a, is a great ape. How's that for a hindrance to a kid? Oh, I thought he had a father in heaven. I guess I'm just a... Ooh, ooh. Um, you know, for a kid, to tell a kid that, first of all, that's a theory. It's not a scientific fact. It's a theory that is taught in our culture today, and it's an unproven theory. But the fact is, God says that we are made in his image, and when you tell a kid that, when you tell them there's a creator God who created them with a purpose in life, kids get that. That's something hardwired. The Bible says that God set eternity in the hearts of men. That means every human being with a soul is born with an, with an understanding that there's something that lasts forever, and it has to do with me and God. Don't have it all figured out. Don't know exactly what it's called, what it looks like. But there's something going on in here that I know for sure that's true. And if you look at cultures from around the world, from the beginning of time, there have been expressions of people reaching out to creator, to the creator of the universe, trying to go, who are you and what do you want from me and what's the purpose here? That has gone throughout the history of humanity Um, regardless of people's view on who God is or what he's called, there's been this hardwired thing in the hearts of people. Jesus knows that. He knows it's in the hearts of children. He's like, get rid of the roadblocks. Let them come. Whatever you can do, let them all come. And that's why we have a heart for children and we're trying to do outreaches like this and we want to see kids get plugged in and have life. And that's why we support kids. We want to give life. It's so, so important. So um, here's an interesting statistic. The Barna Research Group says that half of all the people in America that come to faith in Jesus, half, do so by the age of 13. Now, that statistic alone, if the church in America would look at some facts like that, we would say, wow, it's okay to have an effort over here for everyone else in the world, because we spend a lot of time and focus and resources on everyone, but if we realize the kids... Half the people in the nation that come to faith are kids. Just think of what we would do with our resources. Would we not focus more for kids? Of course we would. I mean, we try to around here, but it's so important. Um, Before we were in this building, this school building here, we used to be uh, down Kester. There's a meeting room down there, an auditorium. We were renting uh, the women's club, Sherman Oaks Women's Club. And when we got there, there was just uh, for kids, they only had, they didn't really have any rooms for kids. And uh, it was the women's club. So you can imagine back in the 30s and 40s, the women coming with their coats and their hats, and they would check them in at a coat check. There was a room that was a coat check. And we said, can we have that room? And no one was using it anymore. And they're like, yeah, I guess so. So we went in and we tried to fix this room up. It was like a 10 by 10 room, paint it nice and bright, make it fun for the kids and stuff. And then we realized we had too many kids for that room. We're like... The room next door, no one's using it. It's an old office from the 50s. Do you mind if we like remove the wall and make it like one bigger room? And they said, okay, you can do that. So we're in there with a bunch of guys from the church. We're knocking out the wall. And I remember one day, everybody was gone. It was late. It was around 11, 1130. I'm in there sanding this room for the kids. And I heard the voice of the Spirit so clear say to me, at 1130 at night, extended on a ladder, dust, face full of dust, and any of you guys know how lame drywall is, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm over there, and I felt the Lord say so clearly that I am going to bless this church because of the children. I'm like, well, what, because of us? No, not because of you guys. It has nothing to do with you. Because of the children. And I was like, wow. You know, and, and I forget that from time to time, but then the Lord reminds me again. And so the children are so important. We, we're at a place, we're here today because we're God-seekers. 
We're here today because we're growing in faith. This is fantastic. But our kids are being dismantled by a society that we have to put the things of God in them the best we can to, to, to get them solidified so that our faith and the true faith becomes their own personal faith. Because unless it becomes their own faith, it's a matter of time before they're off to college and somebody else tries to dismantle that. It's got to become their faith. And that's what our, what our mission is right here. Jesus is in the scene. Let the children come to me. By the way, first children's ministry in the Bible. Right here. <laughs> Argument for children's ministry. We've got a scriptural example. All the children come to me. And Jesus is having a powwow, imparting life and blessing the children. Parents, you can watch. You're on the side. He's got all the kids here rallied up. I love this snapshot. And uh, that's what he's doing here. Now, it moves on in verse 15. He says this. He goes, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, that's a pretty profound statement. And that goes back to the heart condition again that a child naturally has, but adults seems to lose. You see, children have this dependence on God. And as adults, we want to be independent. We don't need anybody or anything. I can handle this. We're very good at that. We're very good at looking out for ourselves. But children, from the beginning, are like, no, I need you. I know I need you. I can't live without you. I need you for food. I need you for protection. You know, we were talking to our kids the other day about the school they're going to. And we just mentioned they have a bus. And the kids were excited. Can we go on the bus? I'm like, well, I don't know if you're going to go on the bus, but maybe. And they're like, oh, we want to go on the bus. And the first thing that came out of their mouth is like, Dad, would you meet the bus driver first? Isn't that cool? You better believe I'll meet the bus. I'm going to stare at him. Listen now, you got precious cargo in this bus. You understand? Um, but it's interesting that the kids would know. Would you meet them? Would you? Of course. Cause why? Because they know, Dad, you're going to protect, right? And now before we go on any kind of bus, Dad, you would check in. Isn't it great that that's in the heart of a child? See, kids have this understanding about God and his provision and their need for him. It's adults who begin to get self-sufficient in a way that's not healthy. And Jesus, he uses the children to school the adults right here. He's like, look at them. They got it down. Apostles, you don't. How's that? For turning their world on end, theologically. The kids got it down. They understand dependence they understand hope. They understand trust. And he says, unless you're like them, you're not going to receive the kingdom. That's because they're open-hearted and they're trusting. It's not because they're the bravest or the smartest or the strongest. They just have open hearts and they trust. It's beautiful. How does a child receive the kingdom? Simply, wholeheartedly. They're trusting. They're humble. They're receptive. They acknowledge their dependence on God. That's the problem that the rich young ruler had. You remember the story? Comes to Jesus... What does it take to get into the kingdom? And Jesus goes, oh, this guy's got it all down, doesn't he? He's, this guy's got it all figured out. And so Jesus presents something to the guy that he's like, ah, I can't do that, and walks away. Jesus is like, exactly. You're so self-sufficient, you can't receive the kingdom. Religious leader coming to Jesus at night, what do I got to do? Got to tell, you may have knowledge, you may have uh, experience, you may have all this stuff, but none of that's going to get you in a humble heart and your acknowledgement for him and him alone that you can't earn, buy, or get your way to heaven. That's the prerequisite. And some are like, could that be true? And some walk away. And others are like, you know what? You're right. I can't. I can't earn my way there. I can't take away my own sins. I need him. And there's this dependence on God. It's been said that God's kingdom is not gained by human achievement or merit. It must be received as God's gift through simple trust by those who acknowledge their inability to gain it any other way. Kids know that. That's like natural to them. It's adults who stop thinking that. He moves on in verse 16. It says, And he took the children in his arms 
and he put his hands on them and blessed them. Now, I love this scene right here. I mean, this to me is like one of the coolest scenes in the whole Bible. Jesus is like, apostles, stop. All you kids, come. Come on, all of you. So the kids are stampeding Jesus, and he's down on the ground. He's got his arm around as many as he can get his arms around. He's let them all come to me. Everyone clear the way. He's got all these kids wrapped around him, and he's got his arms around him, and he wants to pray over them. And it's not just to talk to him, it's to wrap them in his arms. You talk about the heart of the Father. Jesus is modeling. It's to get them all in his arms, not just to look at them and, let me tell you something about religion, son. No, come here. I love you. The Father loves you. I represent the Father. All of you come. That's so important. That's a visual right there that should stick with us when we want to know the heart of the Father. He wants to embrace them and bless them. That's exactly what he does. He's imparting a blessing. He's putting his hands on them. I love that snapshot right there. To me, that's like one of the coolest snapshots in Scripture. Um, Really quickly, before we conclude, I want to bounce over to Mark 9, 36 and 37. You don't have to turn there. But this is another snapshot. Different story, different place, different time of Jesus with children. And if we're going to look at children according to Jesus, you've got to look at a couple of these things. It says in Mark 9, verse 36, it says, He took a little child and had him stand among them, taking him in his arms. There we go once again. Just a hug of Jesus, just loving up on a kid. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. He's talking about welcoming a child, receiving a child. Now, this is profound. He's like, if you're willing to do that in my name, not the, in the name of the goodwill of humanity or not in the name of your civic duty, if you're willing to do it in the name of Jesus, if, if the love of Jesus compels you to, to go out of your way and give life to a child at whatever capacity you are able to do it, the kid down the block, the YMCA, Big Brothers program, bringing a kid to church. If you have kids, one of the best ways is some of the neighbor kids, they don't have a faith, they might not have a mother or a dad, to say, hey, you want to come to church? To help receive them, to help come alongside, to help give life. This is so, so important. But he says, whoever's going to do that in my name, you're not just receiving me. You're receiving the one who sent me. And they asked Mother Teresa that same question. Mother Teresa, how do you do everything you do? With all these kids, I mean, don't you get frustrated? Doesn't it get overwhelming? And she goes, no, I, I, when I look in their eyes, I see Jesus in every one of them. It's the same way. Whatever you do to the least of these, Jesus said, you do it unto me. Now, we don't think that. We think, no, I did it for them. Jesus is like, no, you're wrong. You're actually not doing it for them. You're doing it for me. And that's the paradox of this whole thing, that Jesus says when we do it in his name, it's like doing it uh, for him and receiving him. So the third step is this, to take it personal and ask yourself, pray about how I can welcome more children in Jesus' name. Personalize that. Pray about how you personally can welcome more children in Jesus' name. Maybe it's through child share. Maybe it's through taking that to a friend who really is looking for that opportunity. Maybe you help give life that way. Maybe it's a kid on your block in your neighborhood, at your school, whatever the case is, how can we give life? But pray about it because that, guys, is the heart of the Father. That is children according to Jesus right there. And we tend to say, like the apostles, I'm too busy, I got stuff to do. They should be seen and not heard, put on a video. And this is what we tend to do in our society. But the heart of the Father is this. Give him life in his name. It's the same as doing it to him. But I think the biggest mistake that people make before having children is sometimes people think that 
if and when I have a child, they're going to add value to my life. Like having a house, that's good. That helps me in having a car or two. That helps me. And this is just what we tend to think in our society, that when I can have a child or two, that will add value to my life. A lot of people think this is success, having this, 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 and this. And, and, and I would suggest to you that when you have a child, you realize it's a child, it's not about having a child add value to your life. It's really about us adding value to a child's life. That when you have a child, you get on this 18-year-plus lesson, sometimes a lifelong lesson of giving life, of imparting life. I was up with my little guy last night, 4 o'clock in the morning. You just give life. Whatever, somebody falls out of bed or they need a pacifier or they need a diaper or they need their water with ice cubes in it at 3 in the morning, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. You know, the ones who wash their hands without getting the soap wet. It's about them. And... When you're given life and give, you realize it's not about getting value, it's about giving value. That's the heart of God. It's, it's to give it away. Freely you've been given, freely give. Um, I love the scripture that Bob shared earlier. Ephesians 1 verses 4 and 5 says that, for he chose us in him, God chose you, personally chose you in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love he predestined us, listen to this, to be adopted, adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus. So he chose you and he adopted you. There's a story about a a couple uh, who went to adopt a child. They wanted a child and they went to this adoption agency and they went in and they sat down with the couple and they gave them a book of all these children and they started flipping through all these children and they, they just sat there and they didn't have a piece about it and they said, you know, I don't know, there's a lot of great kids here but we don't feel this is the one God's putting on our heart. And then they said, well, what about that book of kids up there? And the uh, person at the agency said, oh, yeah, you don't really want to look at that book. No, that's, that's not really. They said, no, I think we do want to look at that book. So the guy says, look, these, these kids, are, they're a little bit older. Some of them have some things going on. I, I really just don't think you want to look at that book. And they said, no, we really do want to look at that book. And they start flipping through the book and they see this boy, Johnny. He's not one or two years old. He's more like seven or eight years old. And he's got one leg shorter than the other one. And they look at him and they look at each other and they go, that, that boy right there, that's our son. We want, we want him. We choose him. We want to take him home. And so they not only choose him, but they go through this process of adoption. And then they wonder, when we get him home, what will our other kids think? How will our other kids, will he be accepted? See, it's one thing to be chosen it's another thing to be adopted, but will you be accepted, that great unknown? Well, sure enough, they get home, and their kids love him, and their kids just have an absolute blast with this new family. And that's a snapshot of our lives too, guys. You were chosen, and you were adopted, and you were accepted. All of us have been chosen and adopted and accepted, and there's a snapshot there in Ephesians where that's a real spiritual reality. And in the meantime, think about what kids on your block in your neighborhood that we can start to give life to, that we can start to come alongside. Ladies, any little girls like that in the neighborhood, invite them over for a tea. That would speak volumes. Guys, little little boys in your neighborhood, start throwing a football to them or something. Start giving life. I think that's the heart of the Father is to be the father of the fatherless and we represent that Father. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's close in prayer right now. Mighty God, we thank you for your word. It is rich. It is powerful. Um, Lord God, there are so many kids, Lord, there's specific ones, you know them by name, and that we have a sphere of influence that you've put in our life that you want us to use, um, either us personally or people we know. And I pray 
that by your spirit you would put on our heart when or who or how we are supposed to communicate the next steps of what you have. We want to give life. We want to be a life-giving church. We want to be a life-giving people. You're saying, let the little ones come unto me and hinder them not. The kingdom of God belongs to those such as these. It belongs to them. They're already hardwired for it. Society has been dismantling that. Circumstance, sin, the fallout of human nature, all kinds of stuff has been putting up roadblocks in these kids' lives. Show us how we can start knocking roadblocks down, demolishing those in Jesus' name, how we can start making straight the path for some of these kids. And guide us in all truth. Bless our week, Lord. I pray that um, you would give us eyes to see what the Spirit is doing around us, that we wouldn't leave here just uh, having a Sunday gathering. We would leave here as people who met with God, who heard the voice of truth, who leave encouraged and fired up. We love you, mighty God, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen.